Hey, this is Sean Williams, Vice President at Allen Media. Today, we are going to talk about blogging, podcasts, and Dallas advocacy. This is Sean Williams on race, violence, and something. <laughs> race, gotta, violence, and medicine. That's all right. I'll, I'll cover it for you. Oh, we got it. We got it. Do it again. We got it. No, we one got more it. time. Welcome to Race, Violence, and Medicine. I'm your host, Dr. Brian H. Williams. You can catch this podcast at racevioencemedicine.com or anywhere you get your podcasts. Today, our guest is Sean Williams. He's the vice president of Allen Media, which is a PR firm here in Dallas. Sean, welcome to Race, Violence, and Medicine. Thank you for being, uh, for having me, man. You are so smooth with that. I mean, like your intro. I, you know, I got a podcast myself. I need to take some notes. <laughs> well, one of my favorite podcasts is Deconstructing Dallas. We're going we're to talk about that before the end of the show. But first, uh, I want to talk about. Well, I first got to say, like, hey, man, thanks for being a good friend and a mentor over the past few years. And uh, when I started writing, you mentioned your book, Blogging While Black which I think is a phenomenal title, but talk to us about how you got into that space. You know, in 2006, uh, it was June of 2006, I started a blog called um, Dallas South Blog. And, you know, I, I talk about in the book, like I had, and still have two, you know, really written inspirations that I go to all the time. One is the Bible and the other one is Men's Health Magazine. And in Men's Health Magazine back in 2006, there was an article that said, you know, if you have some time on your hands, you want a, a hobby, you, you have something to say, you can start a blog. And I wasn't familiar with blogging in 2006. And so I literally, that day, that night, went to blogger.com, started a blog, called it Dallas South Blog. Like, if I had known I was going to be sitting here on your podcast, I would have come up with something way cooler <laughs> to call, a, call the blog. But I focused on Southern Dallas because at that time in 2006, you know, there was not a lot of media attention at all, virtually none, on Southern Dallas, which I had moved to Oak Cliff in 2004. And so I just started that blog uh, that focused on that. Over the years, it became known nationally more so than locally. And then I, I started another separate site. But um, to get to the book, Blogging While Black. Well, before, before yeah. you get to the book, for someone that's not from Dallas, what is the significance of a blog that's about South Dallas? So Southern Dallas is, there's a dividing line, basically, which is the Trinity River here in Dallas. And to be technical, you know, if you, if you look at the entire city of Dallas, it almost is divided down the middle by the Trinity River. If you go to the eastern part of the city, it's really more Interstate 30. But our city is, is pretty much dissected, and people of color traditionally were in the South. Um, and it wasn't just that, but people thought in terms of people of color living in the South. And when it comes to, I say presently even, but for sure, historically, when it comes to services, infrastructure, and just how, how the city has been built, the southern part of our city has been virtually neglected. Uh, for decades and decades. And so I wanted to bring attention to the disparities in Southern Dallas, which people call the Southern sector at the time. And people are starting to bring that term back a little bit 
I really was fighting along with the Dallas Morning News uh, and wrote an article that they began to popularize the term Southern Dallas because to me, Southern sector sounds like Area 51. It sounds like somewhere people don't want to go. But it's Dallas, and so it's important. If you're talking about North Dallas, you say North Dallas. If you're talking about Far North Dallas, you say Far North Dallas. And so Southern Dallas, to me, is a term that encompasses all of that. And so Dallas South Blog focused on that. And then Blogging While Black basically went from the beginning of that blog in 2006 until um, around 2009, which I really got more into the nonprofit news model. So this is kind of important because 2006, that is during President Bush. He's still president then. So this is a totally different landscape when it comes to uh, the blogosphere, which I'm sure has evolved significantly over the next, what's it been, 15, what, 10, 15 years yeah, since then? Yeah, and, and it's a good point that you make because at that time, the technology was rapidly changing. I mean, over a six-month period, the things that happened the six months before were almost null and void. Uh, you know, Twitter came on the scene. I had a Twitter account uh, in 2008. And even before I had a Facebook page, it might have been 2007, around 2007, 2008. And, you know, the technology evolved so fast at that time. And one of the things that really pro propelled the blog to become a national blog was the election of President Obama in 2008. And, you know, there were a couple of things that, that precipitated that. But one was that when um, Congresswoman Eddie Bernice Johnson was announcing her superdelegate vote. She eventually changed from John Edwards to President Obama. And the first place that got that story, this breaking news story, was little Dallas South blog. I love it. I love it. Yeah, I got the I got a, an email from her staff, and I posted it on the blog. And then all of a sudden, uh, Dallas South blog reports that Eddie Bernice Johnson <laughs> has changed her superdelegate vote to Barack Obama. You know, and so it was that election that really propelled it. And, and then I talk, had another post about the Texas two-step, how there's a, a two-step process in the way the Democrats in Texas select who they want to uh, have as their, their nominee. Um, and so those things made it more of a national blog, uh, which are stories that I do talk about in the book. So you were just uh, blogging, and you're getting quoted in national press. And it's been a while since I read the book, okay? But there is uh, this scene you talk about. I'm not sure if it's a convention or a debate, which just had me rolling laughing. You talk about you and your camera. And can you, do you remember that story? Yeah. Can, can you share that with us? I think, I think one of those stories was when there was a debate between uh, President Obama and Secretary um, Clinton. And they were having a debate at UT Austin. And I went down, drove down, and I did. I had my laptop. I had a camera. I think I had like a flip camera at the time. And I had a audio, digital audio recorder. And I mean, I was one man shop. And it was like NBC Nightly News there and CNN <laughs> and all these people. And I, I'm just looking around thinking like, what am I doing here? Like, did, did they accidentally let? And I was in the big room, right, with, with everyone. And then at the end, they let the press come in and take pictures right in front of the stage. And so we were right there. And it was me and my little you know, backpack operation uh, going in. But that's what it was at the time. And now we see digital journalists and they have their backpack journalists. But at the time, this was totally new. And one of the reasons why that blog was able to gain traction, not because I was a great writer, but one of it was I was first to market. 
And, you know, the Dallas Morning News couldn't even cover stories in 2006 like I could or 2007. And, you know, one of the first people who gave me uh, an, a shout out in the big press was Scott Goldstein, who just finished up as uh, one of the chiefs in Mayor Rollins' office because the, the, the mainstream press didn't want to have anything to do with blah. And in that debate, People were looking around like, like, what is this dude even doing here? So, uh, yeah, that that those those were like really enterprising times. So you went from blogger to published author. Your book, Blogging While Black, which is actually my blueprint when I started my blog a couple of years ago. I used that and went cover to cover, and that was that became my blueprint for what I did. Um, how did that impact you moving forward? Because I'm sure becoming an author give you some additional credibility as you move forward in your professional career. It did. And and at that time having anything printed and published did the same thing. So I had, you know, my website, um, DallasSouthBlog.com. I had DallasSouthNews.org, which is a nonprofit news organization. I was on Facebook. I was on Twitter. I had a really uh, extensive email distribution list going with the newsletter. But it wasn't until we started printing editions of the Dallas South News and we did that for six or seven months that people were like, oh, my God, you got a newspaper. I'm like, yeah, we've been having a news group for a long time. It just didn't print on paper. Uh, that's not the way the, the technology is going. And the same thing with the book. It was kind of like, oh, my God, you got a book. Wow. And it's like I've been saying the same things for years. Yeah. Um, but even when I went to meet with Mayor Rawlings at the time, who had just come in office in 2011, and I went to talk to him about technology initiatives, and um, I said, hey, Mayor, I want to talk to you. And here, here, by the way, here's a copy of my book. He's like, oh, my God, you wrote a book? <laughs> when was this? How did, what? And, you know, I was like, yes, sir, I did write a book. And so we sat down, talked, had a great conversation. And literally, like, you know, six or seven weeks later, I was working in his office. It's just, it's crazy to me, you know, the things just happen. You're prepared for when these opportunities arrive. You've done all that. I you are very active in Dallas. I see you everywhere. Uh, I follow your Twitter feed, which is uh, it's on fire. I swear there must be a doppelganger of you. Tell us about some of the things you're doing in the community and what, you know, what sort of impact you are hoping to have. Well, as you mentioned, I'm in public relations, so it's my job to make you think that I'm all over Dallas. So <laughs> well, You're doing a good job. So I'm glad that that's working. Uh, you know, Brian, my passion in life, what I believe is my purpose in life, is to uh, do things that will help the African-American community. And so f since 2006 and before, um, everything I do, I try to have that as part of what I do. And so, you know, when I, I'm fortunate here at Allen Media that they support that because, you know, that means it's good for everybody. It's good for our entire city. And it's not just like I'm saying, okay, I'm going to pick the African-American project around town to work on. A lot of the, the clients that we work on, um, there's a space there. And even to the point that we started a social justice practice here at Alamedia, which focuses on a lot of nonprofit issues and nonprofit uh, organizations. One thing that you and I both worked on recently together uh, was a men's health conference. Uh, that was um, held by Lighthouse Wellness and uh, Fido Cliff, and we got to, to work on that together. We are working on a conference here in Dallas, a women's conference. Women Like Us is having a conference called The Unmasking uh, with Tamisa Hunter, and a lot of work around food insecurity with Doug Dunsavage and the American Heart Association. Um, and then, you know, in my spare time, I'm on the board of the Dallas Historical Society, and uh, even 
you know, coming up, we have a Juneteenth program that we're working on. The Dallas Historical Society has the only known copy of General Order Number no. 3, which was the order that declared all enslaved people in Texas were free. And so that's part of our collection, and that document will be on hand at the event on, uh, on the evening with event on June 19th. Yeah, I've been to some of the, you've invited me to some of their um, events, and they're always informative and enjoyable. And I walk away thinking, like, you think I know a lot, and there's so much more to learn. Yeah, like, I, I know nothing, really, and, and I try to stay in the know. But even to the point where right on the edge of, of uptown, coming into downtown, there's Griggs Park. And, you know, I pass that park, and I see people in that park, um, and... Um, never had an idea it was named after one of the early African-American pioneers in this city, uh, Reverend Griggs, who um, started a school here in Dallas, um, started a church here. And within the collection of Dallas Historical so Society, we have uh, Reverend Griggs' family Bible also. And so that's been and, and that was one of the reasons I wanted to join the Dallas Historical Society was to not only make sure that I knew the history of Dallas, which is an adopted home for me uh, being a uh, native of Paris, Texas, the second largest Paris in the world. Um, not only <laughs> that's, is that, that's the uh, where the French fry was created, right? Or something. Like I mean, we have a we have an Eiffel Tower <laughs> in Paris. So I mean, if you want to get some culture, you know, just go an hour and a half up to the north and to the east. Uh, but but it's important for us to be part of an organization. When I say us, I mean African American, Latino, the people who make up the city to be part of the the organization, so that we can make sure all stories of the city are being told. So, blogger, author, worked for the mayor, public relations, you were doing a lot just as far as making the community of Dallas a better place for all. And on top of that, you have your podcast, Deconstructing Dallas. And there's one of the few podcasts where I listen to every single episode. It's, I, I love how you and, and Ryan play off of each other and the guests and the topics you, you go over are always entertaining and informative and show a part of Dallas that I didn't even realize existed, even in my own backyard. So give us really quick, you know, what got you into that, the, um, your, your topics, and where you plan to take that from here? Well, you know, we, we do some politics here in the firm, and we run some campaigns, and a lot of people see us as a political um, organization, although that's really a smaller part of our business. I say that, and I was looking at some other podcasts in town that were more political and thinking that the story they're telling is the story that needs to be told. So I wanted to tell a different story politically uh, through our podcast. And so I went to Ryan with the idea of doing a podcast, Deconstructing Dallas. And um, he was in. I mean, he was like, sure, whatever. You know, <laughs> I mean, because this was, it's been a year and a half ago, and obviously podcasts were popular, but now there's been an explosion of podcasts. And our, our bosses, Mary Woodleaf and Jennifer Pascal, both bought into the idea. And so we started Deconstructing Dallas with the thought of, of doing more politics. Ryan worked for um, Chairman Dan Branch, who was a, a longtime member of the Texas House of Representatives. I obviously worked in Mayor Rollins' office. So we had that background. But what we found when we got going into it, like you said, there were things in Dallas and things going on in Dallas, whether it be nonprofits, whether it be people who um, work in public service, um, along with elected officials. But there was a lot of business also. So there were all these different topics 
that had to do with our city that people had something to say about or the listeners wanted to hear about. And so it has been really, we've run the gamut uh, from elected officials to, you know, AT&T uh, folks. We've had people from um, Mayor Rawlings' office on our podcast. Both Scott and Vinay have been on the podcast. You've been on the podcast. Uh, our most recent uh, guest that we're about to post is Tamisa Hunter from Women Like Us. And so, you know, we really have spanned a wide array of guests. And, you know, shout out to, to Ryan Trumbull, my co-host, because we do have a lot of great energy. We love to talk about our step challenge. We don't come from exactly the same place, but even our podcast shows that there's more about us that is alike than there are differences, which shout out to another client, uh, Pastor Richie Butler, uh, <laughs> Pastor Richie Butler from Project Unity, because that is another place that we talk a lot about how our differences shouldn't define us, especially with all the things that we have in common with one another. Yeah, Pastor Butler is another brother that's doing that's everywhere around town getting everything done. Sean Williams, thank you for being on the show. I must say that, look, this is a historic moment. This is going to close out season two oh, wow. for Race, Violence, and Medicine. And this will probably be my last face-to-face interview with the Dallas, a Dallas site, since I am relocating to Chicago pretty much any day now. The Dallas site is going to come to Chicago, so I just anticipate recording another episode in <laughs> Chicago. So you have a Dallas site in Chicago. <laughs> Anytime, brother. But I, I, I just be serious. I gotta be straight. I I appreciate everything you've done for me. All the advice you've given me over the past couple of years. Uh, I'm gonna miss you. I'm gonna. I'm gonna miss you too, brother. <laughs> I mean, like literally two offices down from here. Well, three offices down was where I met you in Jennifer Pascal's office, and she said, "Hey, there's a, a guy," and uh, I knew who you were. I knew of you, and she told me that you, you know, were thinking about doing some speaking and wanted to talk around. There. And I was like, man, what do I really have to offer this guy? I mean, what I've al- had already seen. Like, what do I have to offer? And just glad we had a chance to really connect and and hang out some and go, you know, catch up from time to time. And we see each other out a lot. And you drop by here and we just have conversations. So I respect you, man. I'm gonna miss you immensely. Uh, and this city is going to miss you and the work that you've done. But you don't have to worry because you, you're going to see me in Chicago. All right. Sounds good. All right. Like I said, this is in the season two, but not to worry. I will not be absent. I'll be back in the fall sometime. Like I said, I'm moving to Chicago, so I need to get my house packed up, my family packed up, and show up and be 100% committed to doing a good job up there. But I will return in the fall with season three. I already have several great guests lined up, and it's it, it's paining me. It's paining me. I don't even know if that's a word, but it pains me. <laughs> it pains me to have to wait till the fall to get them to you, but stay tuned. And I'll probably be taking a social media sabbatical during that time as yeah, well. Yeah. So, but you know, keep, you can sign up for my newsletter at brianwilliamsmd.com. I will be staying in touch with folks through my newsletter. And again, you can always follow this podcast anywhere you get your podcasts. Please share with your family and friends. I know you would know where to find me because you're listening, but they may not. Sean Williams, Vice President, Allen Media, author of the book Blogging While Black, Community activist, advocate, change agent, and I forgot one thing. Oh, yeah, co-host, co-creator of the podcast, Deconstructing Dallas. 
This concludes season two of Race, Violence, and Medicine. With gratitude, I'll be back season three.